Good afternoon. I'll call to order the September 12th meeting of the Iowa City Climate Action Commission. And um, go ahead and do the roll call. Michael Einan Lynch. Here. John Frazier. Present. Uh, Stratus Gianna Curris. Maybe joining us momentarily. Ben Grimm. Here. Uh, and just a note, Ben on Zoom. Thank you, Ben. Uh, Claire DeGuerra. Here. Casey Hutchinson. Here. Matt Krieger is absent. Jesse Leckband. Also absent. Becky Soglin present. Gabe Sturdivant. Present. And Matt Walter, I believe, absent. So we do have quorum, right, Sarah? Is that correct? <laughs> With six? Yes, we do. Okay. So we will go ahead and get started in the interest of time and... Um, any other commissioners join us, we'll just make a note of that. So thank you to everyone who took time to be here today. Uh, we will also ask the staff of, the Iowa, of Iowa City to identify themselves so the public knows who they are. Sarah Gardner, Climate Action uh, Coordinator. Megan Hill, Climate Action Engagement Specialist. Daniel Bizzle, Climate Action Analyst. Thank you. Uh, next, we have approval of our minutes from August 15th, 2022. Um, does anyone have any corrections or changes to the minutes? Um, I will just note it stated, it gave me a little too much credit, it stated I had met with the uh, Black Voices Project. I had reached out to them. So if that could just be changed, um, that, that would be great. Um, so um, barring any other corrections, is there a motion to approve the minutes of September, September excuse me, of August 15th with the one change noted. Raise your eyes, so move. Measure seconded. Uh, seconded. Uh, second. So uh, moved by Fraser and second by Gara. All in favor? Aye. 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 Uh, the motion passes. Thank you. So uh, now is uh, our uh, item of public comment for items that are not listed on our agenda. So any members of the public who would like to speak on um, such items are welcome to address the commission for up to three minutes and up to five minutes if you need any uh, interpretation or other assisted speaking. And due to the public meeting laws, we commissioners can only listen to your issue and cannot engage in discussion or take any action on an item that is not already listed on the agenda. So is there anyone from the public who would like to speak to something that is not on our agenda? Um, um, seeing none, um, we will move on to item five, which our, our announcements. All right, um, so the first item under announcements is action items from the last meeting. Um, as you may recall, at the last meeting, it was resolved that the solar prioritization working group would meet one more time to lightly amend the memo and then have it sent on to city council. You will find a copy of that um, amended yeah, memo in the back of your packet. So that was completed. Um, in addition, just to give it a little context, the city manager's office asked for a supplementary memo outlining all the things the city is currently doing for solar so that it doesn't appear that those are the only three things we're trying to do. So you would have found that additional memo in your packet as well. Um, and then in terms of upcoming events, it is hard to believe, but it is September and that means Climate Fest. So I'm actually going to just briefly mention that 
We're going to have a speaking of discussion on Monday, the 19th, to talk about greenhouse gas inventories, the different approaches to them, what they tell us and don't tell us. And then you'll notice the rest of the items on the list are very exciting climate fest items. So I'm actually going to have Megan Hill talk about all the hard work she's been doing, putting those things together. Thanks, Sarah. Um, so Wednesday, the 21st is our kickoff event at Big Grove from five to eight. We also have a bike ride uh, with the bike library leading that. And on the 22nd, that's our art day. So we have a performance by the University of Iowa Dance Company at 515 here at Chauncey Swan Park. And then after the performance at 6.30, there is a film showing from film scene. Uh, the film is Inhabitants. And all the events, just to know, are free uh, to the public in all ages. Uh, Friday the 23rd is our Weatherby Park event. And that will be 5 to 8 as well. And that will consist of music, food trucks, and tabling organizations. And then lastly, on the 24th is our EV event again. It's going to run 8 to noon alongside the farmer's market in the Robert A. Lee back half of the parking lot. Great. Thank you, Megan. Um, and also, we want to give a little credit to our own Clarity, who has been involved in helping put together the bike ride from the bike library as part of Climate Fest. So thanks very much. Um, and we'll note for the record that Stratus has now joined the meeting. In terms of working group updates, as you know, the solar prioritization group has met and completed that memo, which you've seen. Um, so we can move past that unless there's anything a member of the solar working group would like to add. All right. Um, the next two are fairly easy. The insulation grant program, we're very happy to report, has uh, finally been able to set a meeting time. So we're looking forward to um, discussing some exciting ideas there. And hopefully that group will have some updates the next time we meet in October. And then our uh, Resilience Hub prioritization working group, if you may recall from the discussion earlier in the year, was scheduled to start meeting in September. So um, we put this on the agenda just to give members of that group a heads up that we will be reaching out this week to try to get a meeting set. And we have a slightly different idea about how we'd like to approach that working group. So um, we'll be in touch about that. And then for community-based organization outreach, um, we, we don't want to go around the room and just ask where everybody's at, but if anybody has any updates, if anybody's been able to reach out or has had a conversation since the last meeting with their CBO, um, we would love to hear about it. Okay. Um, and then finally, there are two items here that previously had been on new business, but they've appeared in several packets. And to save time for the discussion today, we moved them up to announcements um, in part because, well, I should say one item has been in several packets now. Both of those programs are up and running. So there's no decision necessarily to be made on them, but we did want to make you aware of both of those programs. 
Um, the first one is the Income Qualified Energy Efficiency Grant Program. You might recall earlier in the year, we had a lot of discussion about the Energy Efficiency Grant Rebate Program that we were launching focused on insulation and electrical panel upgrades. You may also recall that that was our third attempt to get such a program up and running, that we kept retooling it to try to get it to work. Well, I'm quite happy to report that uh, we hit on the formula finally that worked. And one of the takeaways from that is um, it's really important to give a program a name, not just to say energy efficiency, but to name the specific technology. Um, so the energy efficiency grant program related to the heat pumps is very much in that spirit. Daniel Bissell has been heading up that effort. So I'm going to turn the floor over to him just to give you a quick update. Well, as Sarah mentioned, it has um, become much more effective to um, name it what it is, um, the intervention that we want to pursue. Um, the um, insulation and um, electrical upgrade uh, rebates have been um, successful, and we were able to uh, build off of those and design the heat pump um, program exactly the same. Um, it's uh, except that we only cover 80% of the cost uh, versus 100%. So, um, so welcome any questions if you have any, but um, it has been so successful that we've actually increased the budget for that program for this year. Great. Um, I'll just say one other thing that's been successful about that program so far. We're already starting to get some questions in our office about the Inflation Reduction Act and how that might impact things like the heat pump program, because there is potentially funding for heat pumps in that um, piece of legislation. And I'll say that one of the things I'm quite proud of is with each of the projects we've been putting out, we've been getting more bids from more area contractors to put in heat pumps. And as you may recall, earlier in the year, we had a contractor engagement event to just get the word out that this was a technology we were going to be encouraging. So I feel like our early efforts on the heat pump front have increased the capacity among our contractors here in the city so that when those federal funds do become available and we may end up having to reconsider the program, at least we will be you know, ahead of where we would have been otherwise by virtue of having engaged our contractors who've been getting training to be able to install those units. So it's an exciting program, even though it has a long and maybe slightly boring sounding name. Not really though. Um, the other item that you'll see in your packet is about climate innovation grants. Um, there was a memo about this as well as a um, uh, equity toolkit review of this particular program. As the memo stated, the city staff gets approached periodically about programs that have not necessarily fit well under our other funding opportunities, but do seem like exciting technologies that we wanna support and learn more about and that may prove to be um, effective tools as we look to get to zero emissions. Um, and so this program is a bit of a carve out to enable us to be able to fund those projects. Um, two of the projects that have been funded under this mechanism have already been detailed in the memo. Um, I'll just note that uh, one of them is the carbon recycling uh, system that we've helped install in Big Grove. And as part of Climate Fest, 
you can go and see that box firsthand. It looks like a giant refrigerator, <laughs> but it's gonna save us 23 tons of transportation emissions each year. So they're very excited about it. We're very excited about it. And we'll have a nice video at Climate Fest talking about that project in particular, and also this funding opportunity as a way of encouraging others to participate. And it was really important to staff that we give a name to that funding opportunity so that we can raise awareness of it in the community and increase opportunities for participation. So it was included in here so that you all could be aware of it as you're going out and talking to the South District Neighborhood Business Association, for example, um, you're able to pass on this opportunity for interested businesses. Are there any questions about the Innovation Grant Program? All right. Um, and then the final note on here, um, you would have seen included in your packet also a support letter that we asked Becky to sign as chair of the commission, just expressing support for the nomination of our Eastern Iowa EV readiness grant or EV readiness plan for a planning potential planning award through APA Iowa, which she very graciously did. We didn't have enough time to get it into the packet last time, but we all wanted you to just see that and know that we're putting that grant for, or that plan, pardon me, we can all see where my heart is. <laughs> um, putting that plan forward for an award, um, in particular because it's a first of its kind plan for the state and represents um, some real regional collaboration that the plan was completed last year, but the steering committee from all those five communities continues to meet quarterly and discuss new projects and new opportunities. Um, we know that in the climate action plan and in our discussions with you all as a commission, that kind of regional collaboration is very important. And so we're very proud of this mechanism that has enabled that and continued those conversations. Whether or not it ever gets an award, um, the fact that it exists and those collaborations are ongoing, I think is a real victory. So thank you, Becky, for signing that letter. You're welcome, thanks for doing all the work. <laughs> so to get that uh, plan ready. So, um, well, thank you to staff for all these, all these great activities that are coming up and all the reports showing so much progress. Um, that was a, a lot to get through, so, but it did great. Um, so our item six is unfinished business, which um, is this 24 seven initiative topic. We have a presentation by Mid-American Energy, Catherine Kuhnert and Michael, uh, is it Fear? Uh, please correct me if I mispronounced your name, apologies. Um, and. Thank you to both for um, allowing us to reschedule this. We know there was some uh, scheduling difficulties and we will just let you take it away. And if anyone, you have anyone from your team, I kind of recognize some folks in the audience here, they're also welcome obviously to identify themselves and speak. So thank you. All right, and Catherine, I think you're on mute. Okay, can you hear me now? Yes, we can, thank you. All right, excellent. Thank you, obviously, for this opportunity, and I'm hoping I'm sharing. Uh, Catherine, if you'd like to, if you go up to slideshow um, at the top there and select Maybe there'll be a presentation view. It, it's just a little small for us here. Yeah, can you see it now? It's full. Uh, uh, 
Huh. I am on presentation mode for my computer. Okay. Um, Wait, what if I stop sharing? I, I don't think yeah. you're on slideshow. Yeah, it's within the. But I, was, I can show you on my computer. I was. Um, just a second here. Let's see, I'm going to try something else here, just a second. Is that better? I see it. That is bizarre. No, no change really, but I, I think it probably work this if you'd like to. Yeah, it's all right. We sometimes have this difficulty with Zoom. Can everybody read what's on the main slide? We yeah. have it in our packets too. Uh, yes, and everybody has it in their packets so they can follow along. Okay, Mike as my witness that I've got full screen here. So I am apologizing for that. Um, I wish it was full screen, quite honestly. Um, is there a secret trick to this? Um, the only thing is if you go up to the slideshow or, or if you're doing it full screen on just I am clicking on full screen. upper right, but there's the slideshow, nope, just below that where it says slideshow, the words. It's all right, we'll, we'll just, we'll, we can see it if we lean in. <laughs> yeah, right there, slideshow. It looks exactly the same. Yeah, let me just. I bet it's just sharing, Zoom is sharing the wrong window. I bet it popped up in another window. So by doing something wrong with Zoom? I think it's okay. We can, if, I think you it's give right. me one more try on Zoom. So with Zoom, with I have screen share and I'm just clicking on the green arrow. Is there something different I should do there? So I hit entire screen, but it won't let me do entire screen. I did, that's where I was and that's where I think the problem is. It's oh, all right. I bet I, you know what? I think I may have figured it out. Okay, so hang on here a second. I actually do know how to do this. Better? Hey, I'm so excited. All right. You can tell I'm not a technical expert, but I feel like I do this enough. I apologize. We use Teams, so that's part of my issue. So first and foremost, um, thank you for having us. I am Catherine Kuhnert. I'm Vice President of Economic Connections and Integration. And as noted, Mike Fair is with me, and he's our Senior Vice President of Renewal Generation and Compliance. We take team a lot of these presentations. We are uh, what we like to say a, a strong partnership for our communities, and we bring a lot of uh, resources to the table, a lot of subject matter experts, and a lot of folks who have been uh, working for years uh, in the space of renewable uh, generation and how we have uh, built to where we are today. And we're always looking forward to 
Um, and that's how we got into the leadership position that we are today is because we are very forward uh, thinking and we're really trying to make sure we're ahead of the curve because we know our customers and our communities uh, want that uh, at all times. And that's really what the the value of our value added benefits um, partnership is um, as your utility partner. So, and you did mention that there might be a couple of Mid-American uh, folks in the audience and yes, they are there. Uh, Wim Murray is there as well as uh, Brian Gibbs. And I'm glad you said they're uh, familiar faces because they do a, a remarkable job representing um, our teams and, and our company uh, there uh, in the Iowa City uh, region uh, and beyond. So um, they are a known quantity and uh, they do a great job. Uh, supporting this work as well, and they're a real go-to resource. If they can't, if they can't answer it immediately, they definitely are, are wonderful resources uh, for all of you. So I'm going to jump in right now and uh, get going, and we'll make our presentation, and I think we'll open it up for uh, questions following that. So you probably are aware uh, that we are on our destination net zero. And there's a path along the way to achieving uh, destination uh, net zero on our greenhouse gas uh, emissions. And we recognize it's not just one thing that's going to get us there. We, we like to call it the all above strategy. And so there's many things along the path that MidAmerican has either been working on is working on, will continue to working on, and then things out there in the future, as I indicated uh, along the way, uh, that we uh, will continue to uh, look into, explore, uh, determine the viability, what makes sense. Um, and we always talk about the fact that we have to maintain our three-legged stool. So I'll get into that a little bit, but I think what uh, you have noticed there in the Iowa City area, obviously, uh, is a couple things right off the bat, is the fact that we, um, in our wind, um, with our wind and our renewable resources and some solar as well, we help to establish our 100% renewable energy vision. And when we started wind back in 2004, and that's the really the, if you look through the ESG lens, it's really a big part of how we are working to support the E part uh, of the ESG uh, descriptions as, as we move forward as, as the utility. And so we have been working a very long time to embrace by how we take care of the environment. One of the aspects obviously is through renewable energy um, that we have put into the market. And so since 2004, we have been able to uh, really um, build on their ability uh, to take advantage of some of the, the policies uh, and the tax incentives that go along with that to allow for MidAmerican to capitalize on those programs and those initiatives and bring that value back to our customers. So in 2016, when we launched our 100% renewable energy vision, uh, we really um, started to uh, determine what are the ways to do that. And we also know that we had to make sure that our customers got the value uh, as well as the company. And so with that, we created our Green Advantage program. And what that does is, is allows for our customers uh, to be able to take advantage of the renewable energy that we produce uh, and annually uh, to support our customers. And so at this point, and Green Advantage is a verified program in partnership with our regulators at the Iowa Utilities Board. 
And this year, and we look a year back, so there's no truing up. We can literally say we know that number, uh, that in 2021, we were able uh, to uh, provide 88.5% of renewable generation on an annual basis uh, to our customers in Iowa. And so with the Green Advantage program, then you as our customer, you as Iowa City, or you as a business owner, or you as a resident, um, or anybody in between uh, can claim whatever you're making, whatever you're doing that uses energy, 88.5% of that is renewable. It does lead the country. It's something we can actually say um, that we are doing for our customers. And we're well on our way then to 100%. And so, but when you think about all of the things that must come into place, then when you put additional uh, energy and uh, resources onto the grid, we have to have the transmission. And so that's another step along the path is to making sure that that customer, that energy uh, can move um, and that it is a huge benefit to make sure that we have the ability not only uh, to build wind, but to make sure it gets to our customers. And then there's also obviously value added that when we are able to generate more energy than what's needed, um, it does support our customers by helping uh, sell that on the market. And then those benefits come back uh, to our customers. But rest assured, uh, that energy is first used for our customers. That is what we use first. It's also what we use in the generation capacity first as well. So our uh, thermal generation is now used in a different way. It's actually dispatchable gener generation. So it helps fill in those gaps and it's much more run as I would say a, a peaking uh, capacity type. Um, and so that's why it's called dispatchable. So it's there when the grid needs it and when our customers need it. And then obviously we have to look at the new technologies because if you think about it, wind and solar were new technologies at one point in time, right? Um, and we have to continue to look at those new technologies that continue to advance the opportunities to hit uh, the goals that we know we all need. And there has to be innovation uh, that goes along with it because we still don't have the technologies with um, the compatibility and the reliability to support our three-legged stool. Um, and so those innovations must be um, looked into and we must continue to look at those new technologies that afford you know, the ability to have that 24 seven affordable, reliable, safe and renewable generation. So as we like to say, we are your partner and um, there are many ways that we do that. And we share uh, very common goals uh, with, our, with our customers and with our communities um, that in which we are your partner. And so, um, which is a great benefit is that we are on the same page um, and that we really are working together to support our customers. Um, having those shared goals and having maybe new initiatives come to us allows for us to continue to push the envelope, continue to look at new opportunities, uh, to continue to bring value uh, to our partnership as, as being your utility service provider and, and generation provider. So here, what this slide does is really talk about the advantages and the advancements we've already made uh, with reducing our emissions. So between 2005 and 21, as you can see here, we've already reduced our carbon intensity by 61.2%. 
which is just a, a great benefit uh, that we bring to the table. And it's how we've, um, by how we've been managing our thermal generation um, since 2015, we have uh, retired uh, five of our coal units. And so that's made a big difference, but actually too, the fact that our, our renewable fleet has gotten so much better. The fact that we've had a lot more wind um, is, is wonderful as well. And so there's many, many things that play into this, but I think the fact that we've learned how to manage our uh, generation and the fact that it's still a, a mixed portfolio is what brings that value uh, to our customers. And I'm sure you've all heard about, uh, we're not there yet, right? But we're working to get there, to hit that 100% mark because we know our customers are wanting it and needing it. And so in January, we filed with the Iowa Utilities Board, our wind prime, uh, which allows for us to continue to invest in carbon-free generation uh, that does include mostly wind, uh, looking at some solar. Um, I know people are really pushing to let's do more solar, um, but as, as we balance the economies and making sure we have a, a balanced outcome, uh, we will uh, continue to uh, see what the opportunities bring with solar. And we will be bringing more solar just for right now with Wind Prime. Uh, what it looks like uh, is, is in this mix, but that could change as we continue to see how the market evolves and, and how uh, the technology continues to evolve and what the opportunities are. Uh, for us to put in additional solar. Um, and then also the, the repowering uh, has brought a lot of energy benefits too, is take out the old and uh, replace it with new. And I think some of you might be interested in uh, some of the opportunities around the blade recycling, and we've been uh, making great strides in that. That's another proof point about how technology uh, is benefiting us, is how we are able to now recycle the blades, uh, repurpose those, um, and uh, work to make sure that we're taking uh, and being good stewards of the, uh, that type of equipment too that's being replaced uh, to repurpose it. So this kind of just gives you a nice visual of where we've been and uh, where we're going and how quickly uh, we're getting there. So to meet your sustainability goals, like I say, if you look at that E part that MidAmerican's leaning into to help support as your utility provider, is where we started back in 2013 um, and is at 6%. And you can see where we've quickly advanced uh, to where we are uh, just eight years later uh, at 88.5. And we're forecasting with Wind Prime when it goes into, um, into production and is uh, generating uh, renewable energy uh, load, then um, we will be at our 100%. And the nice thing is, once we get there, we're going to be able to sustain it for a while. And that's even, even with the growth that we know uh, is out there, whether it's through the electric vehicle um, initiatives that are out there. We are absolutely winning with um, business attraction and retention. It truly is a game changer. It's truly a differentiator. And it truly is something that is helping uh, communities like yourself grow um, and also helps uh, with the sustainability aspect too. So this is really a lot of the secret sauce. So it helps you uh, meet your sustainability goals. Um, it's at no additional net cost, which is wonderful uh, in the sense that you don't have to figure out how to invest in your city and figure out uh, how to bring renewable energy. Now, I recognize that there's things that you want to do that you are doing. We get that. We understand that. But we also uh, want to fully lean into 
uh, and continue to uh, be your partner on helping meet those sustainability goals when it comes to your energy needs. So I talk about our shared goals and uh, it's really very important for everybody to recognize what MidAmerican is uh, always, uh, you know, it's like our litmus test. It's something that we always make sure we hold ourselves accountable to for our customers. And that is our three-legged stool. And this is truly how we measure everything is it has to be reliable, it has to be affordable, and it has to be sustainable. And that's how we're going to effectively reach our destination net zero. And some people say you have to do something by 2030. You have to, you know, shut down your coal by 2030. And we're not going to do that because that destroys the three-legged stool. And some people say, but the technology is right there. It's not proven technology. It's not, it's not scaled up technology. And until we know that that, truck, that, that technology allows for that uh, energy to be there 24-7 and it's affordable, then we will maintain our generation fleet. We will not put our customers at risk. We will not put our communities at risk. Now, and we all know technology is moving forward. It is advancing. Uh, there is great improvements in it. The uh, Inflation Reduction Act is putting a lot of dollars towards that. We're watching it, we're, we're engaging, uh, we're embracing it. Um, but we also have to make sure that we don't leave anybody behind. We are in a manufacturing state. Uh, we have to make sure uh, that our customers have the energy we need. We also can't just carve ourselves out. We will take very good care of our, of our customers, but we're also part of the larger grid of MISO, which um, you've all heard about. And so we have to make sure that the entire grid uh, is reliable, that it's sustainable and, and it's affordable. So there's all of these different things that we as your utility have to maintain on part of our customers and our regulators will make sure we do that. So while there's pushing and pulling, um, we will be those folks that make sure uh, that we are uh, maintaining this three-legged stool. And make no mistake though, however, we also are very aggressive, right? We have a proven track record on how we will embrace and get in front of technology. And we will uh, make sure that we bring it to our customers to make sure that we aggressively embrace much like we have uh, with the renewable energy, the other aspects of it as well, uh, to make sure that this three-legged stool uh, gets us to destination net zero as quickly as we can. But uh, as you can see from my, from my uh, few slides that we're well on our way, we've made huge progress. Um, and I thank you for being our partner. And I thank you for working with us um, as it's been a great partnership. And Iowa City has really led the way uh, working with us um, and always uh, coming to us with different opportunities. And, and if we're wanting to try something um, that you allow for us to do it with you as well. So um, I'm now gonna turn it over to Mike, who's gonna uh, share his screen. So hopefully Mike, you figured out as I did, and I'm going to stop sharing and you can start with your slides. Thank you, Catherine. Um, can you hear me? 
We can hear you and we can see your slides on full presentation mode. Thank you. Concord technology. <laughs> we figure it out eventually. Um, thank you for uh, the opportunity to come in and present this. This is a, you know, kind of an exciting topic for me. I spent most of my career in construction and most of the last several years. Um, that's really been renewable. So the, the wind that we have, I think everyone's familiar with, we also have 141 megawatts of solar now and are looking at building out more solar. So this is an exciting topic for me. Um, I, I just want to explain before I jump into it what, what, um, what we did. Uh, we did a, an analysis where we looked at, we took every all 8,760 hours in uh, calendar year 2021 and we looked at the mid-american load in that hour and we looked at the nuclear generation we had in that hour um, and we looked at uh, renewable generation which was really just wind in 2021 um, in that hour and and we prorated all that to the iowa city's um, percent of the, the annual load so we don't have great hourly load data that we can easily pull for the city of iowa city so we just prorated the overall iowa shapes and then for, for every one of those 8,760 hours, we went back and calculated, okay, what's the gap that we weren't able to fill with um, the existing nuclear, the renewables that we, that we have now, and the renewables that we already plan to build that were included in our plan, including the wind prime project that Catherine talked about. And then we said, what would, what's the most affordable uh, way to close the gap and make sure we close it in every single hour? So we did that uh, two different ways. In, in the first case, we looked at just using renewables to close that gap. So wind and solar, and then uh, with batteries. And then the, uh, the other case we looked at, we also included um, small modular nuclear reactors, which is, uh, of course, a zero carbon, but not a renewable uh, technology. So um, when we looked at it, the capital investment amount for the renewables plus batteries was $1.8 Again, this is the cost allocated to Iowa City. Uh, just closes Iowa City's gap. It doesn't close the gap for the rest of the American. Um, and then with nuclear included, uh, it was about half as much at about $900 million or $0.9 billion. So we then took that investment amount and put it into uh, a bill. Uh, presentation. I know this is probably a little bit hard to see. Um, we did we did three different uh, we have three different bills here. The the current bill, uh, which is just if if um, you know you continue on uh, the Mid American path to net zero, uh, ninety dollars for the bill with carbon free, which allows nuclear. It increases to one hundred thirty seven dollars uh, a month for a residential customer. And then if you look at renewable only, it goes up to $187 a month for a residential customer. So um, pretty big increase in um, the build amounts with those last option, especially. For the commercial bill, uh, we looked at, we picked a customer that, that was um, a commercial customer and we, we went back and uh, looked at what their bill would look like with, with these investments. So for, for the, for this customer with no, um, just the, nothing outside of the normal mid American, um, bill, it was uh, $10,998 increased to 18,588 in the case where 
the nuclear and uh, solar and batteries were, were layered on. And then for the renewable only case, it increased even further uh, to $26,933. We did the same thing with an industrial customer. And uh, you can see here the current bill, uh, $250,000 increases to $450,000 in the no carbon case and $671,000 uh, a little over that in the renewable only case. So this slide kind of captures, I think this is probably um, a great summary slide for what we just went over. Um, you can see the, the residential costs for the different cases. And I think, you know, the thing to keep in mind is the, the green advantage, you know, we're layering these costs in only, um, it's just enough to cover Iowa City's load on an hourly basis and the costs are borne by Iowa City. Um, in order to meet that. So, you know, if, if, uh, if a customer was outside of Iowa City, they would really see the green advantage increases, which are the zeros. And the Iowa City um, customer would see either the nuclear plus batteries or the renewables plus batteries, depending on which way it went. Um, and I know that's kind of a, um, it's not a, a real complex um, analysis, but what it does do is it, it uh, ensures that all hours in that year are covered. So in 2021, you know, if the, if the biggest gap is, let's say there's a period of time in the winter, I believe it was in this case, where uh, there really was low wind, the solar resource isn't good in the winter. Um, so you end, up, you end up with a lot of batteries. Um, but if we picked a different year, it might be a period of time in the summer when load's really high and you have some hot cloudy days without a lot of wind or something like that. So uh, that's where the nuclear, you know, being um, being there around the clock uh, really comes in and helps out, drives down the need for the, uh, the battery costs. So um, like Catherine said, you know, affordability is one of the, one of the legs of the stool that, that we need to make sure that we provide um, along with reliability and um, keeping those two legs of the stool solid, uh, we're, we're pursuing sustainability. I think we have a good record of, of advancing the ball on that. And we certainly intend to continue doing that. Um, but we look at it as a balance. And I think, you know, in our mind, the way to get there is really uh, looking at an all of the above approach. There are a lot of technologies that are out there um, that, show promise. Um, we've got some of them on this chart. Um, hydrogen, um, small modular reactors, uh, different types of energy storage. And so part of our wind prime filing includes a technology study cost rate making principle uh, to help us look at those technologies in you know, an application that is specific to Mid-American and help us pick which of those technologies should have what role going forward in Mid-American's grid. Um, Catherine, I think the last slide is really about our ongoing partnership. And yeah, um, thanks, Mike. And just to kind of double down, I think as Mike, this all above um, graphic really does show that, you know, we're already working on a lot of these things, right? Energy efficiency, very strong with that. The electric vehicles, obviously uh, a partner in that. And then, 
um, Mike's whole world is about investigating and taking the lead on all of these new technologies. And we just listed out a, a few here in, in the fact that all of them are potential opportunities uh, to support our destination net zero and how we get there. And I, I think we have to make sure that everybody understands we have to have a plan to get there. We just can't throw a date out there. Um, and many of these um, opportunities are not even in an infancy stage. They're yet to be incubated. And so um, that's why we want to make sure that we figure out what is what are all the opportunities and where do we go. Um, and as we know, it's a very quickly changing landscape. Uh, but with that being said, that three-legged stool is really what's going to um, maintain um, our leadership uh, as, as a state and as a community of Iowa City uh, to make sure that you're supporting uh, all of your uh, customers as well. And so um, the next slide, Mike, if you would move it over for me. Um, I think too, I would be amiss if we didn't talk about all of the economic development um, support that we provide uh, to the city, both literally economic development. Uh, that's what uh, Wim and Brian and myself and the entire team do all day, every day is to make sure that we are working with our existing businesses, um, that they can grow, um, that they can expand, uh, that they stay, and then obviously bringing in new businesses as well. Uh, we actually helped start ICAD. Um, so we're proud of that as well too. So that just, I think, puts the proof into the pudding of how important economic development is to us. And we know that meeting sustainability goals and helping sustainability goals also supports working um, and, and supports economic development because it's what is uh, going to create those wins. We have a very robust energy efficiency program. Um, we have made sure that it too is a balanced approach uh, for all of our customers um, so that there's great opportunities there to ensure that we are truly investing in the programs uh, that truly do move the needle. Um, it's a lot different look of energy efficiency today than it was where we started 50 years ago. And that's about how long we've been at it. And so we have to ensure that we are really now investing in those efficiencies um, that make a difference. And so we're constantly looking at that. In fact, we're already looking at our next five-year plan and our stakeholders are engaged with us uh, to ensure that our next five-year plan is measurable, uh, has, a, has a great impact and is a, a great use of everybody's uh, dollars. Obviously, electric vehicles and fleet electrification, uh, that's another place where we walk the walk and talk the talk. So Mid-American has its own fleet of electric vehicles that we use, and we're continuing to expand that. And uh, we've also then helped partner with the city of Iowa City uh, for their electric uh, buses. Um, we'll continue to do that across our service area. It's not only in Iowa City, but in the Quad Cities and in Des Moines as well. So wherever there is a bus fleet, I know there's schools now uh, looking at opportunities as well. We're looking at our existing trucking companies that are looking at pilot programs to test those batteries. However, we also know uh, that, you know, we are in a four season climate 
and winter does really crazy things and hot, hot summers do really crazy things. So we're learning a lot about batteries, even in vehicles and what that means and how we affect that. But we're also uh, supporting range anxiety, which is real, right? We're in the Midwest. There's a lot of space between point A and point B. We're still a very rural um, area. And so we've got to be able to support that. So we've been uh, putting in charging stations. We've got a rebate program uh, to help our customers with that. So uh, we get it, uh, we're behind it, we support it, and uh, we're a partner in that as well. And then just obviously all our investments that we do back into the community, uh, both through our employees' time and talent, as well as uh, various investments that we make, uh, whether it's to support you know, the Englert Theater, uh, the University of Iowa, I know Wim and Brian could give you uh, probably roll off their tongue, summer of the arts, um, um, all of the different things that we do uh, to support the community because that part of it is just as important um, as, as it is to um, be a good uh, corporate citizen and be that partner uh, through our financial and our time and our talent. So it's, it's something that's front and center. It's our CARES program, uh, which represents our five uh, pillars of giving and across our service territory. Uh, the last year we've uh, uh, given more than 7 million and we're well on our way uh, to doing that uh, this year. Uh, and, and investing more than, we've already invested, I think more than 7,000 hours of our employees' time across our service territory to give back to our community. So uh, with that, I think I might be remiss in saying too that we do still all of this with the 11th lowest rates. Um, and that is the affordable uh, part of this um, that I think maybe I, I slipped on by not saying specifically where we're at, but with those that are, are um, in the, 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 mecca, the spectrum of rates, we are the 11th lowest, um, which is that win-win, that right? That's how you do that, uh, ensure that you have that differentiator with the renewables, but you have that, um, that, that consistent foundation of the affordability and what is most affordable uh, to all customers. So I think that's it. And we'll stop there, Mike, if you want to advance it um, and we'll open it up to questions. Or you can probably just stop sharing too. And if we need to reshare, we can do that too. Well, thank you, Catherine and Mike. And so at this time, yes, I think we would like to open it to questions first from the commissioners. Um, and uh, let, let you all go ahead if you have any questions. I will just with one, you just mentioned about 11th, 11th lowest rates. Um, can you give the context for that? Is that regional, is that national and amongst 11th of, of what, so to speak? Yeah, thanks, Sarah, I'm glad you brought that up. I should have said that too. Um, it's, I believe it's 147 utilities that's done through the Energy Information Administration. Um, so that those are the ones that are, are ranked. Uh, so that's a national ranking. Thanks. And I know I realize now it's hard for you to see who's speaking and I will identify myself. That was me, Becky, but that's okay. That's fine. Oh, I'm sorry, Becky. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, I'm a twin. So, um, not, so I, I'm used to getting mixed up with other people, but um, I'm the youngest of four. My mother never called me my right name the first time. <laughs> so, same here. So, um, <laughs> but um, are there some other questions? Uh, Stratus? Hey, Catherine, this is Stratus. I have uh, just a couple questions. Um, when you reached that 100% um, renewable energy rate in the year, in, in, by 2025, 2025, I think, right? When that, uh, 
wooden plant comes online. Um, in, in my experience, like you more recently because of the IUB decision have been retiring the recs on behalf of the customer. That's why we can claim the benefits of that right. wind and generation. And what's MidAmerican's position on, regardless of what IUB says, is that a permanent, you know, like uh, uh, whether it's Iowa City or the University of Iowa or different entities in, in Iowa City, that we in our card are our, our zero transition planning for decarbonization, right? We count on on those scope to emissions being zeroed out. And if mm -hmm. you were to change your stance and, and not retire those recs on behalf of the customer in the future, right? It changes our planning space. So if we assume that that you're a good partner and we go along and and you decarbonize our, you know, our infrastructure by dint of scope to emissions. But suddenly those racks, it's it's more profitable or the IUB reverses and they can be sold to another customer or someone who wants to buy them. Can you speak to any plans about that or is it just something you can't predict? So uh, you're right. It, you can never predict, right, too much the future. I mean, or we'd all be in a different chair. Um, but what I will commit to you is that we are committed to the Green Advantage program. And so we have no intention of uh, backing away from that. That's why we're doing all of these things to continue to bolster it and grow it to where we do get to the 100%. Um, so we don't see anything coming down the pike. We don't even, if we did have a good crystal ball, that's not what we would do because we believe there's so many other things that are coming along the way, Stratus, that will allow for us to maintain that program. And so that is the commitment. That's why we're not selling recs. We know others are. There's other ways. If you, you know, right. want to go out and purchase recs yourself, then go for it. But Mid-American Energy, our customers come first. Uh, unless a, something changes dramatically, we don't see that coming. Right. Okay. That's good. It's good to know. And I, obviously, I know you're not guaranteeing, but it, it, that's an important feature of of these guarantees is the, is the recs, you know, being there. Otherwise, it's it's sure. it complicates things very quickly for a lot of us. Um, sure you know, the second question I had is when you talk about this, right, retiring these, the, the portion that's hundred percent is not, it's not your entire generation. It's, it's the, it's certain parts of your generation for customers, right. That are hundred percent. So what, what do you think by 2025 will be the overall percentage of your overall generation that will be renewable? Is that something that's stated publicly or is that something that you talk about? Well, I'm not sure where you're going with that question, Stratus. So you might have to give me a little bit more yeah, specific for, for our Iowa customers. And so remember, you have to work within the regulatory body within each of your states. And so there's different regulatory rules and policies, right? So for Iowa, we are where we are, which I think has been clearly stated, which I think you're mm -hmm. understanding very well. And then Illinois has a different set of rules and they have a different um, a regulatory platform that we work in as well. And so um, to meet that there, we are achieving that in a different way uh, to support um, our Illinois customers. And then Stratus for South Dakota, that's a little bit different platform as well. Plus we mostly have gas. So as that um, market changes too, and, and they get to a, a different space with natural gas, then um, you know we'll address that as well. But we're continuing to look at all of those different opportunities, but each state has their own um, regulatory platform with, in which we work to support our customers. Yeah. Yeah. Understood. I, I guess I was just musing at the idea of like mid American as a utility, right. That, that, mm -hmm. that at the same time that Iowa is largely going hundred percent 
you know, for the customers here in the Rex overall, how close do you think you would be? Obviously a pretty big distance to, you know, because of base load and some legacy coal and, and gas and things like that. How close would you be to how, how, what's the percentage of decarbonization for the overall overall mid-American portfolio by the year 2025? Just a curiosity question. I'm not sure I have the, the whole specific answer to that. Maybe Mike does, but Stratus, I'm going to follow up with you on that because I know we're really close in Illinois just because of how that market works and same in South Dakota. They, we, we can build and use some of our uh, renewables uh, to support uh, South Dakota as well. So I'm not going to answer you because I don't want to be wrong and I will, I refuse to make something up. So I will get you the facts following this meeting. Thank you. That's great. Great questions. Thank you, Stratus. Uh, this is John Fraser. I, uh, I have a question. It, it's more an observation over the years. Uh, some of the, states in our country that seem to be more innovative, uh, California maybe being one of them, and not everyone would agree that uh, they should be an example. But back at the Paris uh, Accord time, uh, the leadership in California said that legislation drives innovation. And I'm not suggesting that we need legislation to make us innovate, but I do have a question based on what you said about dates and 2030. And we don't know whether we can do something by 2030. We don't want to commit to it unless we can do it. Is there a happy medium where maybe sense of urgency drives innovation and having dates is, is a valuable thing? And I understand totally what you're saying, and I appreciate what you're saying about not pinning ourselves down with an artificial date. But what's your feeling about uh, this sense of urgency that can come from deadlines? Uh, getting to the moon, getting to Mars, you know, whatever, whatever it happens to be. Um, Mr. Fair would like to comment on that one. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a good, it's a, it's an interesting question. I think if you look at, at Iowa and Iowa's record, so it, it is, it, there is a requirement. I'm going to interrupt. It's hard to hear you. I think if you unmute yourself and Catherine muted herself or something, it'd be easier. To hear. We're going to work with the one. He yeah. does talk softly. So. I'm now Catherine. <laughs> um, so I, I think it's a good question. I think, though, if you look at, if you just look at Iowa, Iowa does have uh, a requirement uh, there's an RPS standard in Iowa, right? Um, that RPS standard is not driving anything. Um, Iowa is, um, I believe, the leader in renewable energy as a, as a generating source. And it's not because of legislation. It's because, um, you know, there's there's been good uh, bipartisan support. There's this advanced rate-making process that, you know, I would encourage anybody that if you really want to get involved in, um, understanding, you know, how, how a project <clears throat> goes from a concept to actually an operating project, um, that advanced rate making proceeding at the Iowa Utilities Board, whether it's for Mid-American or, or for um, the other uh, uh, regulated utility in Iowa, um, that's how it happens. So I would encourage you to get involved in that. But I think the record is it, it doesn't require legislation. Um, I think that we have a good record of showing that um, at least here in Iowa, we've been able to be a leader um, 
blowing way past what the what the legislation required. Yeah, and I, I think you know you brought up California, and let's talk about California, right? They have all of these regulations, and they have all of these um, programs that force a certain space, and they are absolutely putting their customers at risk. And I think that truly, absolutely confirms maintaining the three-legged stool. Because if you don't, then you're putting at risk your customers. And we will not put at risk our customers. And so I think that's really what is most, most important to us. We have a sense of urgency or we wouldn't have already gotten where we are today. And it's doing the right thing uh, is just as important, but you have to maintain uh, that three-legged stool. And, and so until that technology and Iowa looks much different than California, even with the four season climate, they have a lot of different opportunities um, to take advantage of different technologies that aren't quite yet there for us, right? They've had electric buses long before us. And I will tell you their electric bus doesn't fit in Iowa. Um, they've been working on a battery to make it better for a four season climate. But yet that technology is still not there. You can talk to your talk to your own folks about the with the impacts of weather uh, and the climate uh, on uh, batteries. So I, I think it's really important to, you know, do all of it at the same time is making sure that you are pushing the needle, um, but not affecting that three-legged stool. Because when you do it correctly, then you have the opportunity uh, to be much more successful than uh, creating that risk uh, that's associated with going too fast, too far, when that technology is not there. And when you're in a state like Iowa, there is no tolerance. Um, all you have to think is derecho, and people have zero tolerance for not being able to turn on their lights when they want them turned on. And that is the most critically important thing and that they can afford it um, because it doesn't, you know, energy knows no boundaries. Everybody needs it. And so that affordability piece is incredibly important. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I'm also thinking in terms of the whole country, actually the, the world, but just the United States. If you, if you assume Iowa is way ahead and some other states are, what examples can we set or what can we do to help the rest of the country progress as fast as Iowa has? I, I wish I had the answer to that, but I don't. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, um, we're, we're doing everything we can, right? But it, it's going to take a lot more than us and, you know, even the United States to quite honestly really move the needle uh, to where most people think it should be moved. Um, so it, it, it takes everybody um, to do their part and to aggressively get after it. Um, this is Becky again. I have a question, please, about the um, wind versus solar. And, and I understand you, you referred already, you know, there's supply chain, chain issues with solar. Um, 50 megawatts is roughly the size of one utility scale solar uh, facility. Uh, and you also mentioned, you know, the, we have now the Inflation Reduction Act, which could change things. Do you, sure. given that, and I realize I'm kind of putting you on the spot with the, I mean, the, the IRA is new to all of us. I'm trying to wrap my own mind around it. Um, do you see any possibility that in two, three years, you could be revising this, that solar could 
be an increase either to overall increase the goal and or you know shift the balance of what you're adding the technology so i won't say it's necessarily going to shift the balance um, but will there be opportunities for solar tomorrow that weren't there yesterday absolutely yes um, so we will always look at bringing on more additional solar i know Mike probably wants to address this a little bit more clearly, but it's a simple yes, Becky. Um, now, too, the other part of that is um, we are always, you know, there's more challenges uh, to siting renewable projects. Um, and I think you're aware of that in the Iowa City area, uh, what it means to work with landowners and making sure you, you bring the right project in, in the right location. Um, and solar does bring even more challenges with the use of land uh, than, than other uh, sorts of projects uh, potentially. So uh, it is a balance, Becky, and we'll continue to refine it and, and figure out what that balance is as we look at bringing on more solar as well. Mike, did you wanna add about solar? Yeah, I think there's, a, so that's uh, another great question. Honestly, it's one that we ask ourselves and look at all the time. Iowa has a great wind resource. If you if you install a you know 10 megawatts of wind um, over the course of a year, you're going to average probably close to five megawatts out of that facility just because of the wind resource. If you install 10 megawatts of solar, you're probably going to average close to two and a half megawatts over the course of the year. You don't obviously get any at night, and you know if you have cloud cover or other things. So the wind resource here is great. Um, the solar resource is, it's good. It's not bad. It's, it's, it's a good solar resource. Um, but you just get so much more energy from wind. So we're probably always going to have more, my guess is we'll always have more wind in Iowa than solar. Just, just that's the natural um, situation that I was in. But the, the, um, the balance, I think, will also go as we build from, from uh, going forward into the future. I think there probably will be um, the ratio of solar to wind is going to increase going forward. And I think part of the reason for that is the IRA. Um, you know, we still think the economics for wind are better right now, but um, when you look at what the IRA has done, there's now a production tax credit available for solar that didn't used to exist. Um, that's helpful um, to, to keeping solar affordable. Um, there's just, you know, if you, if, I think if you look at kind of that bigger picture, especially if there are transmission constraints until those are really resolved. I think there's a balance of um, wind and solar that'll probably start to favor solar at some point, uh, not too distant future. Thank you. This is Gara. I had a question about the nuclear component of the kind of production portfolio. Um, you indicated in the presentation that it brings the overall cost of the effort to 100% um, renewable for customers down significantly that has major impacts, especially for um, you know, residential consumers as well as industrial consumers in the overall price of the energy production. Um, so I understand that that will factor in to the choices made. So right now, moving forward, there it, has there already been a decision made um, as in terms of nuclear or um, I, I'm, I'm just curious where things stand with nuclear right now. Yeah, so I mean, this is one of the things that we, we wanna study. So we have this, this uh, in part of our advanced rate making docket that's in front of the IUA Utilities Board Wind right Prime. now, Wind Prime, sorry. There's, uh, 
a request for one of the rate making principles supports the study of small modular reactors, um, which <clears throat> have a lot of promise. They're not they're not commercially in operation yet, and so they don't really have an established track record. It's kind of a newer technology, but one with a lot of promise for uh, providing carbon free electricity and in a way that um, integrates much better with intermittent generation. So as the grid gets to have more wind and solar, um, this new nuclear technology will uh, work much, much better hand in hand with it than kind of the existing nuclear technology that, that we have today. It's, it's designed to integrate better into that type of a grid. Um, but no, we haven't made a decision on it other than uh, we think it holds a lot of promise and we want to study it further. Thank you. Mike, while we have you on screen, this is Sarah. I have a couple clarifying questions, if you don't mind. Um, one goes back to those price differentials you showed for residential, commercial, and industrial customers. I noticed that the differential was much larger for commercial and particularly industrial customers. And my guess is that's because of demand charges that they would be paying that residential customers are not subject to. Is that a correct assumption? Yeah, I mean, I, I the, so those investment amounts went to our um, rates team and they allocated it based on the way rates are calculated. And so I, I didn't do that work myself, but I, I'm, maybe we can get back to you, but yeah. The, it's the, a large the, portion of it. Yeah, but they, they have a demand charge, whereas the residential customers don't have a demand charge. So and I'm, just their usage, overall usage. Mm -hmm. Thank you, sorry to put you on the spot there. Um, my other question was about earlier in the presentation, you had said um, that you don't have great hourly load data for Iowa City. And I know this is a question that staff have really been wrestling with as we've been working our way through this process is thinking, um, would we even be able to gather data on hourly usage in Iowa City? I know I had put this question to Brian Gibbs early in the conversation. And he said that only about half of the meters in Iowa City are set up in such a way that they could gather hourly data. Is that still the case? Or is there any clarification you could provide on this question? Yeah, we just don't have it based on the hours, Sarah. We just don't have those meters. So Brian's response was very accurate. Thank you, that's helpful. This is Einan Lynch. I have 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 you all seen the um, the memo from the Iowa Environmental Council on the responses to some of our questions? Would they have seen? Um, it would have been included in the agenda packet, but I don't know that we've sent it directly to them. I'm not sure the right person to direct this question to, but I know that in their answers um, to our questions, there is mention of significant like $1.2 billion savings if MidAmerica were to make some of these changes. And I know you MidAmerica reps are talking about the like drastic cost of going to full renewable. And I'm trying to understand uh, the very different financial implications of moving to 24-7 clean energy. Who do I direct that question to? <laughs> yeah. We did have that um, question. Right. I mean, we have materials. Right. 
Yeah, I, I think you're talking about the SNAP study. Is that what you're talking about? Uh, do you want me to read? I have the exact wording here. Do you want? Would you like me to read oh, it? Yeah. Would that help? Um, so the question that had been listed was, can MidAmerican respond to the Synapse report, finding that if MidAmerican closes coal-fired plants and shifts to 24-7 clean energy provisions, it could save ratepayers, parentheses, customers, $1.2 billion? Yeah, I think... Uh... I think we're probably, well, for starters, we don't agree with the, the SNAP study. Um, it's something that is part of two active dockets at the Iowa Utilities Board, um, where we've commented back and forth with them. I don't think, you know, if you look at the SNAP study, it doesn't do what we just walked through. So it, it won't guarantee 24-7 um, renewable energy. It's a different kind of a study. Um, um, it's kind of, it's kind of, um, it's a little bit, I don't misleading. know what the right word is. It's misleading, but it's but it's also kind of a wonky thing where you really have to have, to understand what they did and, and why we disagree with some of those assumptions. I think it's hard. Um, I would I, I wouldn't, I would rather actually have our own experts um, discussing it, but it, yeah, I think maybe the best follow-up for that is for us to just provide some of those yeah. comments that we've already filed elsewhere. Yeah, um, so, so we've got, go yeah, so what we'll, we'll, we'll follow up with you on our response to that because we've got a very detailed response um, to um, put truth and fact uh, around that study that is mis they're misrepresenting. So I'll leave it at that and we'll get it sent to you. Thank you. And I'll, and I'll just note, thank you for asking that question. Obviously, that response can be sent to Sarah, so it's distributed to all of us. And also, the question that Stratus ha asked that you said you could get back to him on, I believe there was one. I, your response on that, I think, perhaps should also just come to Sarah for the whole commission to see. Great. Okay yes, yeah, sir. If you could remind me of that, if you could send me the questions that we need follow up on, that would be fantastic. That way, it's in one space. I'll do that. I'll send you the questions and then um, we'll include your responses in the next agenda packet. Appreciate that. Thank you. Um, I do have a question. Uh, when looking at that rate change, if somebody were to say, hey, I just want 100% renewable, at what point is their utility bill going to adjust based on that? Well, our, our, our rates can't change outside of um, a rate case. So it would be at whatever point we determined we needed to have a rate case based on the investment we were making. Is that is that the question you're asking? Like what point in time? Well, not necessarily time, but is there a break even point for somebody saying, I want 100% renewable? Because what you showed was oh. if somebody's 100% renewable, they're paying quite a bit more. Well, I, well, I mean, I would argue that it depends on how you define 100% renewable. Yeah, on a, the green advantage column uh, is zero and that that is 100% renewable on an annual basis. If you want to reduce that to an hourly basis, then this is what your bill would have to change to after that investment was made. Um, so if we carved out Iowa City, what he's saying, this is the cost. Right. So I'm not quite sure I understand the. I'm not sure we're understanding the question. Yeah, I I was misreading the how it was presented. Yeah, I, I think this is stress. I think it's been clarified that 
you were talking about the you know continuous 24 7 if that's been the the moniker that's been used versus the current you know um retiring of recs on behalf of iowa city customers that's in line with your current planning and the difference is that's the 127 i think that that's understood yeah so the, the 127 just to make sure we're 100 clear that is associated with the residential customer who wants to be uh renewable in every hour of the year uh, never taking excess generation from one hour and applying it to a different hour when they were short. Could I ask one more question? This is Sarah again. Um, I'm thinking about the hourly load or the hourly data that I had asked about. And, you know, this isn't just a question that we're wrestling with the cohort of cities that Iowa city is participating in looking at 24 seven initiatives. There are a lot of other cities that are wrestling with the same question. One of the ideas that was put forward in those discussions was the possibility of using the, um, utilities hourly profile as a kind of proxy provided you didn't have unusual energy users within your community. I, I realize this is probably a very difficult characterization and maybe something you'll have to follow up on with us as well, but is it your sense that Iowa City is a fairly typical city within your service territory or do we have unusual energy users possibly? <laughs> Um, I, I mean, I, I think the, the one thing that's different about Iowa City maybe is the, the kind of steady data center load we have around some of our other cities isn't there. No, um, I, I don't know if it really affects, I mean, because they have such a large manufacturer space as well as the university space, so. Yeah, I, I don't think there's anything really unusual about it. Uh -uh. That would be the one, the one like caveat I'd want to look into a little bit before I said that. And I don't know. You know, with the way we have the data, I don't know that we can do much. Obviously, we thought it was reasonably representative because prorating mm -hmm. is what we use for this for this comparison. Um, and, and don't don't be mistaken. I mean, we're we're continuing to look at how do we you know do data and provide data um, that makes sense for you know communities like yourself as well. So, I mean, there's things that are going to continue to evolve and. Um, be able to be delivered that will help us as, as long as you know it's an aggregate form right we we can't share data that that gives away um, proprietary information which is somehow shaped by knowing what a customer's load is so you know we're careful uh, from that aspect as well that we have to you know figure out how to use data and then if you're looking at you know if you're trying to figure out what renewable it is versus on an annual basis versus an hourly basis, um, we're working on that as well. So um, I think there's things that are being worked on uh, that will continue to evolve to, to get more uh, data out there for communities and customers to use. Thank you. Uh, this is status. I have, uh, thank you so far. This presentation has been uh, really illuminating and I, I, I just, I could do this for hours. I'm kind of a geek about this, but um, you know, I, one thing I wanted to ask is Cedar Rapids, the city of Cedar Rapids, it's in Alliant territory, has been able recently to find a way forward on um, something that, you know, I know it's a, you know, it's like four and a half megawatts, so it's not going to change the overall energy picture of the state dramatically. 
but they've been able to offer a community, a buy-in community solar um, installation right there in that in, in their territory. So they're 20 minutes up the road from us. And I was wondering, um, are there particular obstacles to, to for Mid-American to, to enact a, a similar thing in Mid-American territory that would allow Iowa City customers to buy in? You know, and that's precisely because some people have an old roof they don't want to put solar on and or it's shaded or there's a lot of reasons or just the efficiencies, right? As you know, of putting out a more concentrated array. Um, is that something that's in the cards? Is it more complicated? Is it something you don't want to address? If you don't want to address it, um, that's fine. But I'm curious to know, is, is that something that's going to happen here? Or is that something that's unique to Alliant territory because of the, the constraints of Cedar Rapids? We, we would like we would like to be able to offer that and and um, we actually had a, a renewable subscription program we tried to get approved um, that that was not approved but we have I think some guidance on what changes would have to happen in order to be able to move forward and yeah so you'll hear us talk about and we're going to try to uh, move it through the legislature this this year um, in 2023 so we don't have a, a tariff in place that allows for it. So what we're asking, and because we're not having a rate case, we um, are not allowed, according to the ruling that was established by the Utilities Board with the RSP, is that they don't have the authority to approve new tariffs outside of a rate case. So what our legislation basically does is provide the authority uh, to the Iowa Utilities Board to allow utilities to get innovative with our customers to identify new rates and opportunities uh, to support customers um, of where they're at. So that's why when you hear about innovative rates that we're working on that, that is in order uh, to be able to uh, establish some new tariffs that allow for us um, to uh, work on some of these initiatives. What is unique about Alliant is they have multiple, I mean, they have regular rate cases. And so within the last rate case, they established this tariff. Um, and so that's why they're a little different at this point in time. I will still say with our Green Advantage program, we're at 88.5% at no additional cost. And our rates, by the way, are 11th lowest. <laughs> I would take that to the bank against uh, what is occurring in Cedar Rapids uh, at any time uh, in order to support what your sustainability goals are for your community. Yeah, thank you for that. And I, I do understand your last comment uh, in the point of your last comment. Um, I, I'm just, I, I guess I'm trying to refer to some people, right, in the community see, want, want community solar. And we respond to that desire to have it regardless of how, you know, that there, there may be the electrons are, that are flowing are already, you know, like you said, you're getting the, as a utility, what Mid-American is doing for the customer in terms of carbon-free energy, notwithstanding, they, there's a desire from some people to say, but I want to buy into it. And so I'm just trying to get information to understand how to, how to yeah, we hope to have that opportunity. We really do. And That's we're hoping that by giving the, the Iowa Utilities Board the authority from the legislature to allow for tariffs to be created outside of a rate case that will have those opportunities afforded to us as well. Excellent. That's, that's a really great answer. Cause I, you know, it's hard to be able to articulate to people that, that ask why we can't do that. So it's good. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, uh, 
commissioners, you've had your questions answered, at least for now. You might yeah. wake up in the middle of the night with another, but you can try to- Thank We're you. here whenever you want. You don't have to wait for this platform. <laughs> you can throw them into the email, Sarah, if there's more. Before we let you go, we the meet, these meetings typically run until five. We do have a few minutes. I don't know if for anyone else in the public here, in the audience who might have a question or a comment, we can take a few minutes and then we'll use the last few minutes of the meeting for our recap. Is there anyone else who has a question or comment? No. <laughs> no. Well, um, again, we really thank you for uh, th this very thorough presentation and then taking on so many questions from us. Uh, we greatly appreciate that. And um, I believe we will be discussing this again. Perhaps we'll be inviting you back, but um, please, uh, anything you wanted to follow up with, if you want to send that to Sarah then that will be disseminated to us. So I think I speak on behalf of all of us to say thank you for, for your time today. Um, well, thank you, Becky. And again, thank you for being our partner. Um, thank you for being our customer. And uh, thank you for allowing us to be here today. And we're, we're very interested in continuing uh, these conversations and providing the facts uh, behind uh, why we do what we do um, and make sure that uh, you get the information that you want so thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. For the last few minutes. <laughs> you say you were here. All right. <laughs> but it's fine. It's fine for you to sign off. So. All right. Yeah. Thank bye -bye. you. All right. Bye-bye. Um, so we'll uh, now move on to item seven, which is our re recap. So the confirmation of our next meeting time. And um, um, Gabe was... Gabe and I were trying to remember, but the, so our meeting is pushed back one week, right? I forgot the reason why, but I was thinking we had it on the first Monday, but it's actually the second Monday in October, right? As it says here. That's correct. It was pushed back because uh, the city council would like to use the city council chambers on the um, October 3rd meeting date. Right. And I think we did a preliminary to make sure it worked for almost everybody. Um, there's a chance I won't be here, but Gabe... Yeah. We'll be here <laughs> and lead it all. So October 10th at 3.30 will be our next meeting in the hall. And then um, anything, let's see, actionable items for the commission or working groups and staff, Sarah, I think. Um, just a few things. I'll be taking those two questions that we wanted a written response from MidAmerican and I'll email it to them and we'll try to get a written response back in time to put in the October agenda packet. Um, and then I would just personally encourage you all to pick a climate fest date and attend it. Megan's put a lot of work into it and there's a lot of cool stuff happening. So we would love to see you there. Um, I believe those are our two actionable items, unless there's something I'm forgetting. I think that, that's everything. So I just want to actually thank the commission for that. Was, uh, we have these kind of long uh, presentations sometimes that are they're important and um, asking really good questions. So appreciate everybody's engagement on that um, so with that we will uh is there a motion to adjourn motion to adjourn by gara the second second by sturdivant so all in favor aye. 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 meeting is adjourned thanks everyone <laughs>